You're listening to OMC Hive's The Buzz Podcast, designed to bring you closer to the brilliant people, thinking, and events within the Omnicom Network. In this episode, I talk to Tom Edwards, Chief Digital Officer of Omnicom Health Group, about his incredible gaming background, the launch of Omni Health, and what it means for our people and clients, and what exactly brought him back to Omnicom. Welcome to OMC Hives, the Buzz podcast. I'm Ro Colinaros. And I'm Tom Edwards. I'm the Chief Digital Officer for Omnicom Health Group. Thank you for being with us today because, first of all, I wish everybody could see your background right now because it's like this neon kaleidoscope of, of tech equipment and this rolling background. So I might have to take a screenshot at some point. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Now, um, gaming's been a big part of my life for a very, very long time. So the setup kind of matches with the love of tech and gaming and all the things. So, <laughs> Yeah, and that's part of why I'm excited to hear from you, because you're not only, you know, leading this incredible new platform at Omnicom Health Group, but you are this kind of veteran Omnicomer who's boomerang back and doesn't have a traditional healthcare background. So why don't we start there? Why don't you you tell us about your background and how you're bringing that to the table now. You know, I've had a really fun career to this point. So I've kind of taken my passion for technology and human behavior and public speaking and gaming and kind of built a, as Liam Neeson would say, like a unique set of skills. But um, now I started in the dot-com days with like an interactive agency, rolled into co-founding kind of a managed services company, supporting different agencies. Microsoft was a huge client jumped into kind of the enterprise tech space before social was social for consumer and worked for a platform that we did the forums for Xbox and MySpace, the blogs for MSNBC, you know, some really, really cool work with electronic arts. And then I found my way back to the, back to the agency space with Omnicom back in 2010. So I started working with uh, Red Urban, which is a conflict shop of DDB, rolled into the marketing arm, and then took those unique skills to Epsilon to be the uh, chief data and innovation officer there. Uh, after the Publicis acquisition, joined a, a gaming marketing strategy firm called Triple Clicks, and we're essentially the AOR for Xbox, basically putting any video game IP on CPG packaging and kind of doing the whole lifestyle thing as well. So basically, and, what a lot of people dream of doing. You had, you know, it, it is true. Like, it, it's funny. If you can't be on Twitch, you can be behind the scenes making it all happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've got a love for kind of gaming and culture and tech and it just all kind of, it's all colliding right now. When you start looking at like the behavior of Gen Z and all that, it's a whole different topic, but it's a fun one. And then I got the call to come back to Omnicom and join Omnicom Health Group. So here we are. <laughs> Yeah. So what made you leave that whole world and come back? I mean, a lot of people boomerang back into Omnicom, but you did it in such a unique way. What brought you here? Honestly, it's the people. Like I loved working within, within the Omnicom network the first time around. It was very, very, very difficult to leave, even though there was a phenomenal opportunity, you know, in front of me at that time. And the opportunity to come back, knowing a lot of the key people, you know, meeting Ed Wise, the CEO, and then his team at OHG, they were incredible. Like just, it was an instant fit. And of course, you know, Jonathan Nelson and all the work that Slavi and the team are doing with Omni. 
that was a big piece of coming back was, you know, Omnicom has this amazing operating system, but they didn't have to go forward and buy, you know, multiple antiquated data brokers like an Axiom or an Epsilon to do it. And it was really appealing to kind of step right into that specific space and really help accelerate what we're doing at the OHG level, for sure. Building off of that, how exactly does Omni Health fit into Omni as a whole? And, and what are you doing there? How are you, you building this out? So it's really cool. Omni Health is it's basically a unique instance of Omni. And for those, you know, you know, most people are probably familiar with what Omni is. You can do everything from insights to channel planning to, you know, if you think about audience, you know, insights, audience activation, like that's, that's really what Omni is all about. And of course, driving outcomes for clients. Within the health space, you know, we have a number of kind of disparate data sets. I mean, there's a lot of focus on HCPs and as well as kind of patient data sets. And it was all kind of dispersed everywhere. And what we wanted to do is consolidate it and be the first holding company to have kind of end-to-end -end workflow for both patient, HCP, claims data, pretty much pulling together all of these kind of various data sets that we have, and then put it forward on behalf of clients through this wrapper of Omni Health. And so that's, that's been a big part of, you know, as I've kind of come in the door, I have kind of a few different strategic imperatives. So there's the strategy piece, which is, you know, if, since I'm sitting at a group level, I support, you know, 17 different agencies and basically networks. So from a strategy standpoint, everything tied to the connection of omnichannel into traditional creatively led agencies all the way through to kind of mapping these different service models for that. So strategically supporting the agencies from a data standpoint, getting really deep into our data assets. A lot of my experience from Epsilon was specifically around AI and building out kind of models that combine structured and unstructured data and, and integrate machine learning to drive like analysis and accessibility of information. And then obviously the innovation side. So big passion for innovation and speaking on the topic since, you know, 20, 2009. So love all things future tech as well. So that's kind of how it all comes together. And Omni Health is a really key piece for kind of how we're gonna basically drive accessibility to information for the various agencies, strategy teams and planners. I like that distilling it down to kind of access to information. To tie this back to the business case, what are the clients asking for and how does Omni Health satisfy that? What is the biggest problem that this solves for us? Yeah, so clients are really asking for three things. So they want consumer first solutions. So there's been this massive shift to omnichannel, but the reality is the definition on how people are actually applying that to their business, there are kind of varying stages. So most people are actually still doing multi-channel marketing with kind of that single message aligning per channel. Some are doing integrated where, you know, there may be kind of persistence in terms of the experience on mobile and into desktop. And they want to get to true omnichannel, that combination of online, offline, contextual, relevant message to that individual, regardless of channel. Like that's where everybody's wanting to go. And so much of that is predicated on like the consumer first. So understanding their specific behaviors. But that's about to get interesting in the topic I think we're going to talk about, which is, you know, the cookie-less future. So we'll, we'll hold on that. The second piece is they want data-driven strategy. Like that's a really, really key piece. And so a number of clients have various data assets on their own, and then they have dependencies on their agencies to kind of link and find all the connective tissue between that. 
So from like an Omni Health perspective, that's exactly what we're doing. We're kind of integrating consumer data sets, healthcare data sets, and basically helping to craft that data-driven strategy, but making it really easy and accessible for our internal teams to not just bolt on, you know, data-driven insights at the very end, like it's traditionally been done in most of the industry. And I think the third one is they're really looking for unified experience. So when I think about kind of clients and where they are, it really comes down to kind of data, you know, intelligence and experience. It's like, what's the information that we can use to craft that consumer-centric experience? What are the intelligent systems we can take and apply to, to really map to that like contextual delivery? And then creating to see seamless experiences on the back end. So that whole idea of omnichannel. So that's really what, what's kind of driving from the client side right now. Yeah, it's good to get an understanding of, of moving to true omnichannel because I think a lot of people do confuse um, integrated marketing with making that one last shift over. And I love this idea of the connective tissue between you know, our agencies, between us and the clients and between us and the consumers. That's really powerful to have that kind of trifecta. So going back to what you're telling us about integrating data from the, the very beginning into, into our creative, as a strategist or as a creative, how would this platform help me? For me, like I come from leading like strategy teams and working with planners. And you know, during my time at Epsilon, I actually built out a practice called data design, which is think of like a, a, a hybrid planner, if you will. You know, I wanted, I wanted to make data accessible. And the problem was normally the way in which the data is available, you have to have either a data analyst or a data scientist or somebody to make heads or tails of the application of that information to insight. And normally there was a narrative piece that was missing from the application of information. So it's two different sides of the mind as you kind of think about this problem. So if we can eliminate the need to have to have go incredibly deep on the data analysis side, pre-build out models and workflow to where there's some type of theme perception occasion that's automatically derived from the information that's helpful. One of the things that I really did to help enable teams using like large machine learning, you know, platforms, you think internally like Q within Omnicom right now. It's a, it's a beautiful visual, it's a beautiful visualization engine, but there's also key things you can pull from that. So for example, you can form a hypothesis based on those cultural signals and then use that hypothesis to fuel your primary research. And as you're doing the primary research and developing kind of that, that, that information and insight, you can then align the structured data sets against that. So you can really begin to see a true picture of how that, that individual is truly potentially behaving or is removing from you know, this idea of precision to predictive based on kind of the cookie future. Like that's a big piece of what's coming as well. Thank you for making that connection for translating the kind of data to the creative because uh, having a person like that on board is huge because I think there's a lot lost in between in between those two disciplines. The cookie-less future, it keeps coming up. Let's talk about it. How does OmniHealth get ahead of that kind of inevitability? You know, again, it goes back to one of the reasons why I joined Omnicom. You know, some of the competitive data brokers are heavily, heavily, heavily reliant on third-party cookie data to kind of fuel their platforms. And what I see with Omni is that the, the platform is built to kind of plug and play different partners based on where we potentially are. And we partner with LiveRamp right now. 
So from an identity perspective, you know, they've got like a really, really nice platform and solution that's helping to guide into, as we move into Cookieless Future, the role of first party data enhancement is gonna be key. And with the shift to clean rooms within, you know, what Analect is doing within Omni, it's all about how can we either enhance first party data in addition to their platforms are gonna have like the unified ID and obviously Google with Flux, their whole cohort, where they take kind of the browser-based data of information that people put that into kind of driven by AI and map that into kind of various ways that they're going to try to do their kind of de-identified targeting. So for us, we're positioned incredibly well. Like part of my strategic imperatives within OHG, how do we continue to take first-party information, supplement that with our research information, with panel data, with unstructured data, with media behavioral data, so that we're able to create kind of this holistic view of you know, what's happening from, from an individual perspective. And then you're able to take and connect that through kind of the various systems to drive activation. But the key is people have to understand this shift to cookie-less is really gonna change the idea of precision marketing. It's more about context and ultimately it's more about prediction and prediction based on cohorts and prediction based on other elements of behavior. So it is gonna change, you know, fundamentally how messaging is delivered, but that's also why it's incredibly important to have a first party data strategy going into it from a client perspective, a solid CRM strategy. There are other elements that are gonna be key here as well. What are your predictions for how this is gonna change the way we deliver the creative? For me, like it all, it's all tied together. When we're talking about omnichannel, when we're talking about even where the future of technology is going, I see kind of a couple different pathways diverging. So the first one is the role of creative is always going to be important. So that kind of consumer-centric marketing, evoking emotion, drive, but the delivery mechanism of creative is changing. So you've got this mindset and shift towards modular content. It's feeding into kind of dynamic creative optimization systems that actually deliver and assemble all of these pieces. So the idea of the, the overarching big idea of the campaign still exists, but then we have to think through kind of the multiple iterations that are going to come through as we move from like a single persona defining an individual to thousands of iterations that are being put together based on all these other signals that are coming. So as a creative, you know, having that key understanding for what are the core elements that we're going to create that are going to be kind of persistent across all the messaging. And then what are the elements that can shift based on those core behaviors, whether that's a regional piece, whether that's, you know, a messaging piece based on this specific behavior. So that's a key piece. What I also see happening though, and this gets into kind of the, the platform I talk about, I've talked about this at TEDx and other, other places, it's really about this evolution of experience and shifting modalities. So a lot of what I see is that we're quickly going to shift away from kind of the mobile device being the primary way in which we interface with tech. Right now, the majority of our marketing and our experience is based on you know, desktop and mobile. And what I see is you're seeing the rise of voice, you're seeing the rise of vision, you're seeing the rise of, of touch, you know, gesture-based interfaces, overlaid with all the kind of spatial computing stuff that's happening. It's basically this merging of physical and digital. And I love to follow the patents. So, cause that's a key identifier. Of, an organization wouldn't put a patent out on something and make it publicly accessible if there wasn't 
you know, this drive to get something to market because you have a 17 year window with that patent. So what you're going to see over the next few years, you may even see it coming up with F8 Refresh as well as, you know, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. You're going to see the shift towards basically um, smart glasses or headsets that are a little bit more consumer friendly with like smart glasses probably launching in 2025. There's this convergence of technology tied to AR, VR, location-based, spatial, all of it coming together. So how we think about experience, how we think about delivering of messages, how we think about the role that physical location versus kind of digitized overlays are going to completely begin to shift how we work. And ultimately, I do see kind of voice-based or, or assistance becoming preference centers for individuals that then become new ways to trigger experiences. So there's a lot that's happening in between where we are today with traditional omni-channel and the role of the data and tools and the strategies that we have for these platforms. But then we also have to keep a very, very close eye on kind of the shifting modalities and experience platforms that we can create to kind of connect all of these disparate pieces into like seamless communication. That's incredible. And as you were saying all that, I heard my partner adding something to our Alexa shopping list. So voice, it really is becoming a thing. It, it is, you know, there are like 90 million people a month that use kind of voice-based assistance. Wow. And the majority of that is like driven by mobile. So, you know, 46% of those people are actually like doing 10 plus queries a month. And the number one assistant right now is actually Siri. Mm. So you think about that, like that seamless connection, that understanding of you and your preferences, especially as we get into more kind of consumers potentially owning more of their data with all the regulation and everything that's kind of coming through. It's a natural connection for how a lot of experiences are going to begin to trigger, especially with like physical location, you know, initiating other experiences. Yeah. I think, especially for those of us who drive, we've been using voice for longer than we, we expected that we would. <laughs> you know, the car is actually a really, it's a key use case. So like 77 million people a month are using voice-based assistance in their car. Google even has their new kind of drive mode where it takes and consolidates like the experience so that, you know, as you have meetings or this, that, and the other, it's kind of this concierge service that pops on your mobile device while you're driving. And yeah, we can talk about cars as a whole other thing and the shift from the internet of things to autonomous things. And there's a lot that's happening. It's probably a whole different podcast, but, um, but now we're just kind of scratching the surface today. We might have to have you back to talk about that. <laughs> Love to. I just want to get to know you now. We've talked all the tech stuff. Thank you for putting all of this so simply because I've never heard it like so easily digestible and relatable. And so tell us a little bit about your background, because I know you mentioned that you are a veteran. You told me something about jumping out of planes. So would love to hear a little bit more about that experience and how you're bringing that to the workplace too. Absolutely. So yes, yes, I, I did jump out of planes as a part of the military. Um, I was a combat medic, um, U.S. Army. And I, there are a couple things that I really learned that apply to business today. And it's adaptability and leadership, but not in the way that you think. So from a leadership perspective, when people normally think military, they think command and control. But it's actually, it, it's actually the inverse of that. It's really about building trust. And as you build trust with your team and you empower the team, and this kind of flows through how I view leadership and you know, team building. I've had multiple tours with people across different agencies and organizations, 
because once you build that trust with somebody, you know, it's not just about getting someone to do what needs to be done. It's about investing in them as an individual, empowering them professionally, as well as, you know, continuing to do things that, that build trust, even if it's not always the most popular thing to do. So I think that to me is, is what really is a key part that I took away from that experience on the leadership side and adaptability. Technology is changing so fast. The data landscape is changing incredibly fast. Regulatory landscape is changing so quickly. So what I did take away from the military is kind of that adaptability to situation. Because no matter how well you plan something, once you get into the middle of things, it's gonna, you're gonna have to pivot. You're gonna have to do different things. You're gonna have to adapt and you're gonna have to figure out a way forward to complete the mission objective. Or the world shuts down and you have to rethink the way you've done everything in your whole entire life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's a key piece of it. Um, one of the really cool stories is we actually launched the very first ever instance of in-game content tied to the web with an original IP called Skate. So we took kind of our, our core, you know, I mentioned it before, that whole kind of social platform. We took this kind of construct, connected it on the back end with EA, and we're able to then pull video game clips. You take it for granted today with Twitch and everything else that was going, but we're the very, very first team to ever do it. So some of our, our clips ended up on Dig at the time, and that's when everything kind of really just began to take off. Then it began to become standardized throughout the industry to take an in-game clip and then apply it to the web and have people vote on it and do all these different things. So probably one of the highlights of my career was um, being a part of that execution and leading that product team uh, through that. That is very cool. And I think the, the kind of actions associated with that and the kind of community around that has expanded beyond just the gaming world. And we've been able to kind of replicate that in so many other areas. So it's super cool that you were part of the originators of that. That's right. We, it was a fun project. Um, and I guess the last fun example is I was actually a college mascot um, at the University of Oklahoma. So um, yeah, I ran around in a dog suit for the basketball team for a number of years. So, you know, from mascot to soldier, to tech, to gaming, like I said before, it's a very um, uh, unique, uh, <laughs> fun path to get here today to be with you. Do we have a picture of that, that we, that's floating somewhere on the web? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll send you a, have to dig that up. Picture, the mascot and, you know, all that other stuff. But I think that the diversity in your background allows you to be on the cutting edge of things and to think differently and to bring all these experiences to create something wholly new. You know, I, I agree. And as, as I look at kind of just the industry as a whole, I look at it like it's so important as when I look at hiring team members, I look for very kind of diverse, unique backgrounds, people who have been entrepreneurs before and not have just worked in one type of field for a very long time, because you bring all these kind of diverse skills and uniqueness to the position. But I also always look for what is that plus one? What's the thing that drives, you know, that individual? What's, what's kind of their passion? How can we align that? You know, is it a situation to where, you know, curiosity can lead to developing a point of view that can lead to speaking or content creation or, you know, aligning with an industry mentor and having an internal sponsor, like all of these different things. Like I like to invest in my teams and people. And I really look for that kind of, 
not only for the, the aptitude for that role, but also that curiosity and that passion and see how we can align those things. Because that's where you get the really fun unlocks and you enjoy what you do. That's an incredible way to look at it. Your team members are very lucky to have you leading them. We are very lucky to have you back at Omnicom. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed the conversation and love to talk to you again soon. Where can people keep up with you, find you, hear where you're speaking next? Yeah, so I'm pretty much all over social under Blackfin360. So that's B-L-A-C-K 360. So .com is the site, social, Instagram, all of it, it's there. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. You can find this episode and more to come on OMC Hive or in the OMC Insider Newsletter every Friday. (laughs) 